Support comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies. Held on select Fridays in May, each film touches upon artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, kicking off with Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro on May 10th at nortonsimon.org. Support for Alaist comes from Visual Communications, presenting VC Film Fest, celebrating 40 years of Asian and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander filmmaking, with over 200 films May 1st through 10th. Info at festival.vcmedia.org. It's Film Week on Alaist 89.3. I'm Larry Mansell. So good to have you with us. Bayard Rustin was an openly gay civil rights activist, pacifist, and advisor to the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. While Rustin is best known for being the principal organizer of the 1963 March on Washington, where King delivered his I Have a Dream speech, Rustin played an active, though often quiet, role in nonviolent civil rights activism. Now, 60 years after the March on Washington, Rustin's activism and legacy, often produced behind the scenes due to his sexuality, have been highlighted in a new film starring Emmy Award-winning actor, Coleman Domingo. Let's listen to this selection from the Netflix streaming film Rustin. Ahead of that monumental march on Washington, Rustin tells Dr. King that he won't resign. Each of us are taught in ways both cunning and cruel that we are inadequate and complete. And the easiest way to combat that feeling of not being enough is to find someone we consider less than. Less than because they are poorer than us, or because they are darker than us, or because they desire someone. Our churches and our laws say they should not desire. When we tell ourselves such lies, start to live and believe such lies, we do the work of our oppressors by oppressing ourselves. That's Coleman Domingo as Bayard Rustin in the Netflix film Rustin. Coleman, so good to have you with us today on Film Week. Oh, so good to be here. Hello. What is it like to hear yourself in all these clips with the interviews that you're doing. Does it take you back to when you were actually doing the scene? It does. There's an emotional response immediately because your body um, recalls uh, those moments, actually. And uh, and also, I, I don't sound like myself because I, I placed Bayard's voice higher. He's His voice was maybe three pitches higher than my own natural speaking voice. And he had a, a bit of a flourish of an accent, of a mid-Atlantic standard accent of sorts. So I, I, yeah, it does. It does take it lands you back into those moments because your body, it, it holds it. It holds everything. Those those words, those those moments that were detailed and carefully etched out, and then you gave a part of yourself to it. So um, yeah, I do feel I get emotional when I hear it, and it's different than watching it. There's something some. There's some I I can't I don't That's know interesting. What, I don't well, know what that is. Audio yeah. I think in this why I love radio. There is an intimacy that comes to it. I yeah. think without the distraction of the visual. So I actually get that why it would have that impact on you. How long did it take you to find his voice? It took me a good I had about about five and a half months of prep uh, before I started production, and uh, as I was researching him, you know his in his interviews he sounded different in every interview sometimes uh you know he had a beautiful tenor uh singing voice and then he also you know, he played the lute so he had this sort of melodic way of phrasing things and he was a lover of language so he sort of like you know knew how to chew on language and but 
in his interviews and in his debates and uh, whatever research that I could find, he spoke differently. Sometimes it had a bit more of a, a Catherine Hepburn-esque feel <laughs> to the way he spoke. Other times a bit more uh, British and, and RP in a way. And I, I would try to dissect that because that's part of character. You're like, what are these choices that he's making? And then, and also he had a slight lisp because also he had like three teeth that were knocked out through a... Um, uh, a moment with the with the authorities in like the 1942. So to find all of that is still it's all part of character and layering layering in his character and how he um, comes across to people. So I asked Rochelle Horowitz, who was uh, one of his dear friends, who's depicted in the uh, film, who actually organized transportation for the march from Washington. I said, "Well, what was this accent? Because he's from Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm from Philadelphia. I'm like I know how we speak." Yeah. And he's, he said, well, he made that up. He made it up for a couple of reasons. One is that he had a, he had a speech impediment. He had a stutter. And so he would learn to wrap his uh, mouth and teeth around language. And I understood that because actually I had a slight lisp growing up. It comes out here and there. And I had to l- learn how to dentalize and had speech therapy to actually. But I think it, something about that gives you more love of language and how to use it and let that be a useful tool. So that took some months in tuning and finding. And then I also find the... You also find with the voice, you find the body, because it all it all works in concert. So that means that means your stance, how yeah. your arms move, the pace when you walk, all yeah. of those things you have to to. And how much of that do you feel like has to be authentic to the way Rustin himself moved, or how much of it license can you take? You take some. You have to take some theatrical license with things like for to sustain for this film. There was no way. Like Bayard's voice, I can start to bring it up because I'll bring it up in rehearsal. I'll bring it up because I, I sort of pitched his voice a bit more up here. He naturally spoke a bit more up here. He he would con- constantly flourish his voice up here. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot. And it sounds so, it sounds like a caricature yeah. in a way. And so for, for film, we wanted to find this middle ground of really making it sustainable and making sure that he used his voice uh, as a tool in different scenes. So let's say there's a scene with, me standing in front of members of the NAACP, and he's trying to conform and be like the rest of the guys. I think that there are times when he's trying to overtake the room, so he'll use a bit more flourish with it. Or he's trying to become more one of them and conform, so he would take some of the accent off. So I would make these that, these choices yeah. uh, per room, and then sometimes they'll completely go away when he's being vulnerable. So I thought that that was a useful tool in how do you build character and you know th- make it and make sure that it's I don't know helping the narrative of a film. All these layers, Coleman, that, that you are um, playing in his life, to me are so impressive because we see him trying to deal with his anger and and how he managed it. And, of course, he speaks explicitly of that as well. But the way you inhabit that, how you show that physically, or these different aspects of him where he's he's trying, as you said, to dominate the room, yeah. or trying to intellectually manhandle someone, because he yeah. has the capacity to do that. Absolutely. He's so gifted with words, he's so smart, that you, you, you see that. And is this all part of that five-month process as well, to discover the layers of the character and figure out how you embody that? There's so much that I I need to put into my toolkit, actually, so that I'm able to inhabit the space and then let that alchemy happen with the rest of my company. Because then there's the layers of costume and, and design. And, and also, you know, I'm, I'm one of those actors, I always say that 
I prepare as much as I prepare when it comes to knowing backstory, knowing what I'm doing the moment before, having detail of not only what's in our script, but what's around our script in 1963. What music was playing on the radio? What was, what was he eating? I make all these decisions and I sort of download all this information into my body and to physicality. And then hopefully I'd like to, I, I don't like it to be um, almost like, heady about it. I feel like I just need to let it live and breathe and find its way. So I think that's part of the process. And then I always say that, like, yes, I know my lines. I know the beats. I know what the scene is. But there's an element that I don't know, which is how is this being staged? Where are cameras coming from? My fellow actor, what are they bringing? I'm not that performer that has crafted the full performance because I'm like, I need those elements of collaboration to come into effect. And that's the magic where I think the divine resides in performance. You've, you've worked with George C. Wolfe before yeah. for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. He, of course, a stage director as well as a film director. Yes. And him having that experience uh, stage so much an actor's medium, do you think that affects the way that he directs actors yes. in film? Absolutely. I think, I think that that is actually one of George's strengths as an actor. He's, I mean, as a director, he's absolutely an actor's director. He calls a private rehearsal, which I truly appreciate, and any other actor would too. And it's private, private. It's not, you know, some you go on some sets and they say it's a private rehearsal, but your DP's there in the first DD. This is private. This is just be, with actors and the director. And so he also, he makes sure that you're liberated in every single way that you can make mistakes, that you can find your way. You know, even on the day, every single day I had rehearsal before every scene. That's, that's incredibly rare. In before film. every, yeah. and even if it only took, it could take no more than maybe, sometimes it could take 20 minutes if it was a heavy duty scene with a lot of um, cast members. But it can also just take 10 minutes of like going through the beats of it and making some decisions to liberate yourself and to be free in the scene. You know, it's not it's not locking it in of what it is. It's just, hey, making some agreements on what the what the color and the timbre of the scene is so we can go far and wide. Uh, it, it's I mean, it's exciting hearing about it. I can only imagine for yourself as an actor having the opportunity to really bring your very best, having the opportunity to to spend the time with a character that you had with this. And This was that rare opportunity where I was able to not only bring everything that I could possibly bring as an actor. This is these are those roles that come along once in a lifetime. Let's just be honest. And, you know, it's seismic. I'm in pretty much every frame of this film. And also I have to leave the film. I have to be the soul of the film and the production. So, but I knew that I needed, I guess, what, 33 years of experience, whether it's film and off-Broadway, you name it, to bring to this. And I'm also a director and a writer. So I knew, knew it was calling on everything that I do to actually craft a character like this and also to lead a set, which is about one of my personal heroes. We'll continue our conversation with actor, playwright, and director Coleman Domingo, who stars as Bayard Rustin in the biopic that is streaming on Netflix. It's an incredible cast as well, including Audrey McDonald, Chris Rock, uh, Glenn Turman, so many others. We mentioned George C. Wolfe directing from the screenplay by Julian Brees and Dustin Lance Black. Uh, we'll continue our conversation with Coleman Domingo on Film Week in just one minute. Support for LAS comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center, presenting the world premiere of Mix Mix, the Filipino Adventures of a German Jewish Boy by Boney B. Alvarez, inspired by true events from the life of Ralph Price. 
After escaping Nazi Germany, a newfound tropical refuge in the Philippines is upended when Japan invades the islands. On stage through June 16th. Tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org. Support for LAist comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies, held on select Fridays in May. Each film touches upon Spanish artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, including Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro and The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie by Luis Bunuel. Screenings are at 4.30 p.m. on four consecutive Fridays starting May 10th. More information at nortonsimon.org. It's Film Week on LAist 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle, enjoying our conversation with Coleman Domingo, tremendous actor and great buzz around his performance, which if you've seen Rustin on Netflix, you understand why, as he truly inhabits Bayard Rustin, who was an openly gay civil rights activist, pacifist advisor to Dr. King, and the principal organizer of the 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. You mentioned before the break, Coleman, that this is the role of a lifetime for an actor, but you're also playing a very important historic figure, a very nuanced person, a lot of complexity in his life externally and internally. So how daunting was that? As excited as you must have been to, you know, get cast in this, <laughs> yeah. was it scary? Immediately, you, there's a, a level of terror that overtakes you. And then hopefully there was that other small voice inside me that said, there's no time for terror. You just have to get to work. And so I always, I, I pride myself on having an arduous rehearsal process that I even have for myself. Because I think I'd like to know as much as possible. I know actors who want to be a bit more raw in that way. But I feel like I can only be raw and open and vulnerable when I have so much history underneath me and so much knowledge and so many choices that I've made. And then that helps free me because then I can play every single note of the character. For me, it, it's just been a part of my process. I feel like that helps me, me be completely open and vulnerable because I know it's all downloaded inside of me in some way. So I just did the work. And I think that, you know, I had to, I always have to go back because, you know, you always have that little voice, that other little voice in your shoulder saying, oh my God, how are you going to learn that? How are you going to learn these long, intense scenes with monologues that are uh, huge and seismic and have so many beats within them. And then I think I have to always go back to my theater roots. You know, I've done plays with with Arthur Fugard and August Wilson and lots of Shakespeare, and I have to remind myself that you can do it. You just have to do what's in front of you. Take one word at a time, one beat at a time, one moment at a time, and build the character that way. And that way the character will be organic and at some point, you can the person I can recede, and the other character sort of takes over, and that's the that's the beauty. And I'm sure this evolves over time. But did you have periods along the way where it just sort of clicked in? You just felt like that's it. Whether it's the voice or whether it's the vulnerability, this 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 is what I was going for. I think when I I found his fuel, if that makes sense, he has. Even when I've witnessed the film, I see something, I see a spark and a fire in his eyes that I think that's the thing that I found, what got him up every day. There's a line in our film towards the end that Dr. Uh, Anna Hedgeman says, uh, played by CCH Pounder. She says, have you made yourself useful today? 
And I put that at the top of my script. And I made sure that that was part of his own mission of being in service every day and being in service in every scene. So I think once I found that part of his engine, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. of being in service. So he's in service to the scene in some way, shape, or form, and to people, and to charging someone to do something, or young people, or whatever he was in a scene, he was trying to make himself useful in some way. And then there are times when, when you would see that light dim, when there would be a huge cloud that overshadows him, which which would upend any of his service and his work, whether it's from rumor or hearsay or his livelihood of being openly gay or you know being in spaces that were not welcoming of him in many ways, then when I would see that light go out of his eyes, that's when I, I knew. I knew that I had it when I, I, I felt his spark. This movie is obviously important because it gives due to someone who deserves it. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me that there's... There's more importance in it than that because it includes someone who doesn't fit the stereotype of people leading the movement. And so from your perspective, what is the the meaningful of this even beyond Bayard Rustin's legacy? I think that we have a great question I think that we're all wrestling with now in our culture about history and who... Uh, gets the lights shined on them in history, and then who gets marginalized? How do we interpret history? How do we erase history? Um, that's a complicated thing that we're all dealing with, I think. You know, as as book bans are happening and legislations threatening to send us back to 1963, it is important for to know these unsung human beings that were ordinary human beings doing something extraordinary just doing what was in front of them that was right and being in service to the betterment of our country, the betterment of our humanity and to each other. I think that that is the significance of this film and the importance of this film, especially now. It's a clarion call. It's a, a clarion call to, uh, to rouse people to believe that they can take part in their democracy and in the world that they want it to be. We're fighting. We're all trying to fight darkness together. These are... These aren't unusual dark times. These are our dark times. You know, that's what I'm, I'm viewing it as right now. It's like, you know, we don't know how to have conversations. We don't know how to uh, invite everyone to have with their fullest self to be uh, validated in a room. And Bayard Rustin is truly that North Star for me. He, he was always moving in spaces that were not welcoming to him and finding his way. And as our tagline for the film says, owning your power. Coleman Domingo with us, portraying Bayard Rustin in the film Rustin that's streaming on Netflix. I just want to close with a personal reflection about the film. One of the things that impressed me so much about your performance is um, I really felt like you brought me in as a viewer. Like the, the, there, there is an openness to this character, which often, you know, the great people of history sort of thing, you look at them from afar and say, wow, what a wonderful person. You really bring the viewer in to feel like we have a stake in what happens to him. And I, I almost felt protective of him at times in the movie. And that's a very powerful emotion to elicit in a viewer of the film. So I want to close just by congratulating you Thank on you. doing what is a very difficult thing as an actor to do. That's that's very complex, very deep work as an actor, and you you did it. Oh, thank you so much. It, it was my honor, my tremendous honor, 
to give any life and heart to Byatt Rustin. And I think it required a, uh, an incredible amount of vulnerability and openness. Um, it changed you as a person at all? I mean, you've done a lot of acting over the years, but did this role affect you personally? Yes, it has. And I think it's, I think it's still changing me. It's, um, I've dedicated my, my career to um, different narratives and portrayals of, of black men I think that's important of how to, how we can deconstruct and rethink the way the world sees us and all of our humanity. That's very important to me. And I think that uh, I'm doubling down on that, I think, in terms of understanding that what I have been doing is um, dedicating my life to service with this medium that I have of telling these complex stories about who we are and being an archivist for that. And you're only going to have a higher profile from the response to this film. I, I think that's very safe to say. Coleman Domingo, thank you for being with us. Appreciate it so much. Thank you, Larry. Wonderful performance as Bayard Rustin in the Netflix streaming biopic Rustin. It's Film Week on LAist 89.3. For our critics, I'm Larry Mantle. Have a wonderful weekend. The LAist Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAist.com sweeps.